Welcome to Femme Collective with Katie, Stacy, and Mai. Today, we are so lucky to have Dr. Ekta Escobar. Dr. Ekta has been practicing pediatrics for over a decade. She's married and she has two boys. Dr. Ekta has a dynamic career that includes teaching medical students and trainees, founding a nonprofit organization to improve local parks and playgrounds, and being a strong advocate for the well-being of children in schools and in the community. One of her primary passions in pediatrics is mental health support and advocacy, which makes postpartum depression a very important topic for her. It resonates with her as both a mother and as a doctor. So I wanted to just briefly state a disclaimer um, that Dr. Ekta Escobar is speaking based on her personal experiences, and this should not be constituted as medical advice for the listeners. Instead, she advocates speaking to your own doctor so that you can get personalized recommendations that are appropriate based on your medical history and current state of health. Hi, Dr. Ekta. We are very, very lucky to have you with us all the way from New Zealand. So coordinating this time uh, was very interesting, but we got it done and handled. So we're so glad to have you here today um, as a follow-up to our postpartum depression part one episode, where we talked a lot about our own experiences. And we realized after that episode, we really wanted to be able to uh, get someone on here who's an expert and who has expertise in this area. Um, and of course, I thought of you, so lucky that you agreed to do it. Could you start us off with just kind of telling us a little bit about you, about your background, how you got into medicine? That would be great. So first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I do really like speaking about mental health and especially when it pertains to moms and their kids and babies. So this is a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. A little bit about me. I have always been interested in medicine. My dad is a doctor and I always admired him. I knew from early on that I wanted to follow in his footsteps and be a physician. I became an EMT in college, an emergency medical technician that allowed me to work on ambulances. And then I went on to finish college, then medical school, and finally pursue additional training to be a pediatrician. All in all, that ended up being an additional 11 years of formal education after graduating high school, and that led me to where I am. In terms of pediatrics, I really found myself drawn to caring for children. Pediatrics encompasses the health and well-being of babies, children, and teenagers, with each age being so unique and coming up with its own challenges. And I find it really rewarding to work with parents and create a team that can see a child grow and thrive in a way that really optimizes their mental, physical, and emotional health. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, One thing we wanted to talk about and just put out there from the very beginning, you know, as Katie said, this is a follow-up to our first episode. And so before we even really get started with talking about postpartum depression and just with some specifics, I wanted you to just, you know, share with us exactly what are some common and just technical terminology that we should keep in mind as we discuss this topic. Yes, absolutely. I think that's really important. So just some very brief basics about postpartum depression 
and the terminology that goes along with it that you might find on websites or books. So the first one is baby blues. Baby blues are really common. About 70% of women encounter baby blues after giving birth. They normally start about three to four days after giving birth. It tends to coincide with when you bring the baby home from the hospital and you're kind of for the first time on your own with a baby without your doctors and nurses around you. And this feeling of baby blues usually goes away within two weeks of that time. And it's often described as feeling overwhelmed and it doesn't require any treatment. It's just this brief adjustment period that a lot of moms have when they add another family member to their house. Another term is postpartum depression, which is what we'll talk about today. This one is much deeper. It's a deeper depression. It's a little bit beyond feeling overwhelmed. It starts anywhere in the first year after giving birth and can last weeks to months. And sometimes it can turn into chronic long-term depression. And it's much more common than we realize. It affects about one in seven mothers, which is pretty significant. Another term is postpartum psychosis. This is different. Um, this is a very sudden onset of psychotic symptoms that can happen after birth. This is very rare. It happens in one to two people per 1,000 births. So 0.1% of mothers. And this can lead to thoughts of wanting or actually harming yourself or your children. And that is definitely a medical emergency. But we're talking about that middle term, that postpartum depression, where it's more than baby blues, it's not postpartum psychosis, and you're definitely kind of feeling like you're drowning a bit as a new mom. And I just wanted to point out a final caveat to all of this. So all three of these terminologies, all of these can happen outside of a normal birth. This can happen after a miscarriage. This can happen after an abortion. This can have to happen after surrogacy. This can happen after adoption. There's lots of scenarios that all of these feelings can happen in, and they can all be very normal after all of these scenarios. And so I'm referring to births and mothers when I talk, but I just want to keep the general thoughts to be kind of inclusive because this can happen in a lot of different ways and a lot of different stories. So we're not trying to exclude anybody. Uh, thank you, Dr. Eka, for just explaining all of that. I really appreciate just the clarification on those different terms, because there's a lot of terms that get thrown out there, especially when it comes to the, all the different postpartum issues, because it is so complex and the different things that we deal with. And I know you have a lot of experience dealing with moms and different postpartum challenges as they come in to see you with their own babies. I remember doing this with my babies and seeing my pediatrician as well and could kind of tell she was looking at to see how I was doing as well too. So how do you assess moms for postpartum depression? And if you could, if you could just, if you would just provide a couple of examples on what you looked at too. Yes, absolutely. I do think that different clinics and different pediatricians and doctors evaluate and ask about postpartum depression in different ways. So there's not always a right or wrong way, but every doctor will definitely have their own style of approach. Many of the listeners may be wondering how pediatrics relates to postpartum depression because it happens in adults and is related to pregnancy, both of which are not pediatric areas. But there is one really simple fact that allows us as pediatricians to help in this area. And that's mainly that we see a newborn baby frequently after birth, often up to four times in just the first month after their birth. 
Mothers, however, are only seen once or twice in the first six weeks after they deliver, and then there's not really any more routine follow-up. So not only do pediatricians see the babies between two to four times in the first month, and then we see them for a minimum of an additional five more times in that first year of life. And so when we see the baby, often we see the mom, and it just makes sense that we can help our OBGYN counterparts by helping screen the moms for postpartum depression and making sure that they're doing well. And as pediatrics, we also realize that we really want healthy moms who can then, you know, really cherish and care for their babies, which is, you know, the goal of pediatrics. So um, we really do try to look at this as a unit of mom and baby as a couplet. And so it really does fall under pediatrics in that way. The most common way that a lot of doctors screen new mothers for postpartum depression is a Edinburgh postnatal depression screen, the EPDS. And it's a really easy way to screen for postpartum depression. It's a 10 question, single page screen. And it asks how you've been feeling in the last seven days. So knowing that postpartum depression can happen anytime in the first year, we're not asking about how you've been feeling over the last months or six months. It's just in the last seven days. So it has really great questions that are really easy to follow, such as, I have felt sad or miserable in the last seven days. I have been anxious or worried for no good reason. I have blamed myself unnecessarily when things go wrong. And you have four options for answers. So they're multiple choice. And it says, yes, you feel this. You agree with the statement. It happens most of the time, often, sometimes, or never. And each question that, or each answer gives you zero, one, two, or three points. So it does need to be graded by a doctor who knows how to kind of score these sheets but a score of 11 or higher should prompt a discussion with your partner or your support system as well as your doctor or OBGYN. Postpartum depression can happen anytime during that first year of life of a baby. So I provide the screening through all of the visits a baby has with me in that first year. Um, I can attest to that because she screened me also after my baby. <laughs> In, in conjunction with my OB, but I, you know, what I think is so wonderful about what you just said is not only explaining to people how it works, but also giving them the option to screen themselves and take a look at it at home and say, okay, you know, that this might be something I need to talk to my partner about or my family or my doctor ultimately. And I think that's really great. So we'll be sure to, to add a a link to the show notes so that people have access to that resource. I enjoyed that explanation because as a mom, I remember what you're describing. I didn't really understand the mechanics behind it or, you know, the timing or the purpose behind all of those different things that I would go through when I would take my babies to the pediatrician. But I remember doing the test that you mentioned, and I really like how you talked about how it's like a team it's the unit, it's the OB kind of working with the pediatrician so that the baby has the best care as well too, because a healthy mama is a good mama. And I do remember when I failed the postpartum depression test, when I was at the pediatrician with my son, I remember them telling me, we're going to have to refer this to your OBGYN. Can you give me their information so we can let them know that you didn't pass the test? So I could witness how they would work together on that. So it's pretty cool to have someone actually go into a little more detail to explain it. 
Have you ever noticed, Dr. Ecta, where some people may answer those questions, you know, borderline, they don't meet the 11, but they're kind of close and almost you're, you're sensing that there's something more going on, but they may not be as truthful on this questionnaire, just out of shame or, or I don't know, sometimes people are just not as in tune with what they're feeling. And, and you feel like maybe there's something more here. Have you ever had that experience? I have had that experience or sometimes I'll have moms who score a 10 and, you know, 11 or higher prompts a discussion. And it's not that anything magical happens between a score of 10 and a score of 11. It just could be that you got an extra hour of sleep that night and it dropped your score a little bit and you just feel a little bit more sane that day. And the way I approach it is I always tell moms their score, even if it's low, I tell them, look, 11 or higher is usually a sign of postpartum depression. You're a seven today or you're a 10 today. If they're scoring really close to that 11 or they scored 11 or higher and they're not really open to discussing this more, what I'll do is I'll make a copy of the screen that I did that day. I'll give them a copy of what they scored that day, a copy of exactly what I'll be filing into you know, my, my chart for my record so I can keep track of that mom. But then I also give them a blank one for them to take home because sometimes that baby's visit, we may see them at two months old and then I don't see that mom back again until four months old. And so I would like for them to have a copy at home so that if they, you know, come across it on their dining room table two weeks later or four weeks later, and they're like, you know, I think I might be struggling a little bit more, they can always fill it in and drop it off to us or their OBGYN's office or go online and figure out how to score it and just keeping track of it. And just like postpartum depression can come up anytime in that first year of life, you know, you might score low now and it doesn't mean you can't get higher as time goes on. Or we have some moms who really struggle initially and then kind of settle out as life kind of finds a new flow with the baby. And then the postpartum depression symptoms go away. So we often can also use repeat scoring to show, look, you were an 11, you went up to 15, you started treatment. And now look, now you're a seven and now you're a three. And do you see how, you know, you're doing a great job and you're, you're really taking care of yourself. And that really reflects on this. And it's really nice to have an objective number that you can share with moms because it just feels like something definitive that you can just follow and put some faith into. Thank you for going into that. You kind of touched on this next question a little bit, but I want to dig a little bit deeper into it. So you have a scenario where you do have a patient where the parent is dealing with postpartum depression. They do fall all out on that scale where they definitely are dealing with it. Could you go into detail about how you would discuss this with your patient, how you approach it? And then second, could you also kind of go into some of the common treatment options that you provide in your role? Because postpartum depression is such a passion of mine, I approach the discussion very directly, but I can definitely understand that sometimes bringing up mental health issues can be a bit more sensitive and you just have different doctors who bring it up in different ways. Um, and there may be doctors who, if you don't screen high enough to prompt a discussion, they may not discuss it at all. It doesn't mean that they won't screen you again, but they just may not worry about talking about that with you. But my style is very direct. Um, I also, when I was working um, previously in a small town, I also got to know a lot of the families really well that were in my clinic. I'd see them, you know, at schools and at um, activities and things like that with my kids. So I also knew them a little bit outside of that doctor-patient relationship. So I could approach it pretty directly because they knew me as a person as well. And the way I do it is I 
have this discussion about postpartum depression after I do two things. One, the first thing I do in an appointment with a mom and a baby is I ask mom what questions they have before they forget. Often moms, new moms have a list of questions that they come in with and they've written it down on their phone or somewhere. And it's, it's common. And we go through all of those first because I never want that mom to feel like there were questions that were left unanswered because you know that you have these questions sometimes for days or weeks or months and you're waiting till this appointment to be reassured or to know that you're doing all the right things. So we always go through all the questions first before we do anything else. Second, I then examine the baby. And then after we do all of that, then I bring up postpartum depression because my approach is usually something like, so you, mom, you asked excellent questions today and your baby looks like she is absolutely thriving. Um, you're obviously doing such a great job taking care of her, even though it's exhausting, I'm sure. And I know some days it feels like you will be cleaning up spit ups and changing diapers forever. And it can be a really hard adjustment having a baby. I know I struggled with it. And as a pediatrician, I'm supposed to be the one that has all the answers and knows how to do it all. And it was still a really big struggle for me. It is actually really common to struggle with adjusting to a new baby and postpartum depression is really common. And I want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you can continue to be such a great mom to her, to your baby. So you filled out a questionnaire while waiting in the waiting room. That's when I have them do the screen. And now I have a chance to score it. So today you scored a, let's say 15 anything 11 or higher usually is a good indicator of postpartum depression. So you scored a 15 today, which puts you in that category. Now, one of the things I want to say is that motherhood is a marathon and you're still in the early, early stages of becoming a mother and kind of finding your way. And I want to make sure that you're supported so that you can keep up the same amazing job for the next 18 years. And that means that if your score is higher than 11 right now, I want to make sure that you have the right support systems around you to just give you a solid foundation as a mother so that you can continue to succeed for years to come. I think that the next step that we should take would be to get in touch with your doctor so that we can discuss how we can better support you. So then I'll ask that mom, you know, who's your doctor or who delivered your baby? And let's call them right now to get you an appointment. If the person who delivered that baby is someone who works in the same clinic as I do, I will let the mom know that I'm going to leave right now and walk down the hallway and I'm going to get them an appointment, you know, in the next few days so that they can come in and see their doctor. I always want to coordinate that. And I just want moms to know that we see them. And often as a new mom, you have lots of people fawning over your baby and they're asking for baby pictures and showering the baby with attention. And sometimes it feels like the mom gets forgotten in all of this and you're the one doing all of this hard work. And we just want to make sure that the moms are getting taken care of as well. I want to show that when there's something concerning coming from the mom's mental health, then we are addressing it right then and there and that they are being seen and, you know, and that I see you and I see that you're struggling and we're here to support you. And so we do that. And if it's a doctor that's not in the clinic, then I will write as soon as the appointment is done, I'll pick up the phone and call them and tell them exactly what we need to do. One of the other reasons I do that is that if the mom is struggling or has depression, I don't want her to take me seriously now, but then she goes home and the words that I told her fade. And then she just never makes that appointment. 
And so I really try to encourage at least that very first appointment where she can have a good discussion with her doctor. And I wanted to just highlight um, one of the things that you said when you talked about making sure that mothers are being seen. I just, I love that. It resonated with me a lot. It's so important for, for mothers, for people to feel seen in general, but especially mothers in the postpartum stages. And the fact that you treat it with a sense of urgency and you're very definitive about it and direct, it validates that you are trying to see them. And I think that's unique. It's not something that I've seen done before. And so I just wanted to acknowledge that. And I love that. You you also mentioned that, you know, a good support system is very important for a new mom. And along with having a great team of doctors, as we all know, you know, having friends, close friends and family around you, it's, it's also important. So I just wanted to know if if you could share, you know, how can friends and family members identify common behaviors that indicate postpartum depression in instances where this individual may not be getting it from their doctor or just may not be listening, you know, to what their doctor is recommending? I will usually go over the signs of signs and symptoms of postpartum depression with both the mom and their partner or their supporting family member. Often the very first doctor's visit after a baby's born, you know, mom just had a baby. So often their mom is there, you know, grandma's around or their mother-in-law's coming to help or dad has taken some time off work. Um, So often there's another adult in the room as well. And they want to be present for this very first appointment. And as we just become a bit more progressive about involving other family members in, you know, in helping moms and babies after birth, you know, moms are not going through the stage alone usually. And so whenever there's extra people in the room, I do direct a lot of this next part of the conversation to everybody. And I say, for example, if dad is there, I'll say, look, dad, you know, sometimes if mom isn't seeing these signs in herself, but you are, I need you to advocate for her and let her know what she's doing or what has changed. And then I need you to support her and make sure that she goes and sees her doctor. And the behaviors include, and there's a pretty long list, but they include anger, anxiety, that's different than there, if moms just by nature tend to be anxious, this is a higher level anxiety of than compared to what their normal personality is. Guilt, hopelessness. A big one is loss of interest or pleasure in activities. And I'm not saying you're going to have the same activities as a new mother that you had before, but even basic things like the TV shows you like to watch or food or sleep, if you have lost interest in just basic, basic things, then that is a, that can be a sign of postpartum depression. Another one, mood swings, panic attacks, crying or irritability, fatigue, weight loss or weight gain, lack of concentration, unwanted thoughts, fear, insomnia. And then the last one is a big one and that's rumination. And rumination means getting stuck on thoughts that you can't get out of your head. And sometimes rumination can be definitely a normal postpartum depression sign, but sometimes very rarely it can be the beginning signs of postpartum psychosis where like, I just feel like I I need to harm my baby so that this can all just be better, or I need to harm myself because that's what's going to make everything feel better and make this scenario end. So whenever things like that just get stuck in your head, that's always a warning sign. But it can be a huge, huge list of signs and symptoms. And they they mimic obviously normal signs of non-postpartum depression, just regular depression or regular anxiety. This is the same signs and symptoms. 
the difficulty with postpartum depression is some of these things will happen just because you're a new mom and you have a newborn at home. Insomnia is going to happen because your baby's waking up every hour to eat. Um, and it's not that you're not trying to sleep. You just are, can't sleep because you have to take care of this baby or your um, change in energy levels. Fatigue is a normal part of being a new mom. And so how much fatigue is normal and how much fatigue is postpartum depression contributing to it? And it can get really fuzzy and really hard to differentiate the two. Which seems like why it's so important for someone to talk to their doctor um, if they do start seeing some of these signs because their physician can help them decipher what is normal, what isn't, and kind of help walk them through that. And also relying on your partner. You know, we see you, but we see you in a much more professional setting. And if, if this is your first baby, this is the first time I'm meeting you as a pediatrician. So I may not know you as a person and what your normal personality was before you had a baby. I'm only seeing you as a new mom. I really tell moms to lean on their partners and just say, look, if your husband, your partner, your mom who's coming to help is saying, look, I think this is a little different than what I normally see you as under a stressful situation. You know, I need you to hear them because they're looking out for you too. So sometimes that helps as well. Yeah. And you, and you sharing those, those different behaviors we can look out for uh, just, just made me remember of a time when I had a friend that had just, she just had a baby and she, it wasn't her first baby by any means. So she had experience, but I had noticed that uh, with this baby, because she knew it'd be her last, she was a little more attached to her baby, which as you said, some things are just normal for moms in general, which I thought it was too. And then as time went on, I had noticed in my friends, we were checking on each other. I, I would definitely check in on her. I, it's something that I know we talked about even in the postpartum, the first episode where I didn't experience postpartum depression, but I was definitely aware <laughs> that it happened. And so I even checked on Stacy, Katie. I, I, I like to check on my new mom friends for sure. In those moments, I realized that there were some atypical behaviors that I was noticing in her being that maybe another person that may not know her may not realize it, but she's usually a very, you know, decisive and, and, and a person that just knew exactly what she needed and responsible and, and, and made decisions that were well thought out. And then all of a sudden she was just being a, a bit more spontaneous than, than I had um, known her to be, which isn't a bad thing, but it was just more, it was just happening more and more than what I, I was used to. So in one conversation that I had with her, I remember we were talking face to face. So, you know, this was pre COVID and, she was just talking to me with her baby on her. And it, I just, something, my intuition, my gut was like, something's off here. What the story she's telling me, this just doesn't even sound like my friend anymore. Just the experience she was going through. I think it was something at a store, what she felt and, and what she did. And then it just stayed with me. I prayed about it. And, and I remember I was scared. I was like, I think she's experiencing postpartum depression. I know her very well to where, I, I feel like something's off. I, I didn't feel comfortable just going to her husband. So I prayed because I was like, how do I tell her, right? I mean, you may notice these behaviors in someone you love, but it's, it's still a hard conversation to have. So I took the easy way out and I just texted her and I said, hey, I've been thinking about you since yesterday. You know, you haven't left my mind. And I just want you to know that I got a feeling yesterday and I just feel like maybe you should talk to your doctor. You might be experiencing postpartum depression. She took a while to respond. Those three dots were there for a hot minute. And I was like, okay, I think I did something wrong. 
But I, I mean, I did pray about it and I felt led to do it. So eventually she did respond later that day. And she said, you know what, my, I hadn't thought about it. She's like, now that I'm thinking back, I think I am. And it's crazy to me that, you know, this is not my first child. And I know, I know that this can happen to anyone and I'm going to make an appointment. She made an appointment later that week. She told me she was, she was not taking medication and, and I, I did praise God in that moment, but then also I, I value that that's why it's good to have these close relationships. Right. I mean, was that an easy conversation? No, it, it wasn't, but it was necessary. And, you know, it's one thing to be able to identify these behaviors, but then another thing to even know how to bring it up being that you don't want to offend anyone and you don't want to distance yourself from a person you love. So I do appreciate you just sharing a long list of, of the many, and there's more, just these different behaviors that we can look out for. We have another question with Dr. Eka is, are there factors that could possibly make you more predisposed to postpartum depression? And as a new mom, or even a mom, like my mentioned a second time mom, you know, what are some things that moms can do to prepare for that for pregnancy? If there may be some predisposition factors. I think that those are really good questions. So there's a lot of studies that have been done around depression itself, less so specifically geared towards postpartum depression. But the one thing that we know for sure is that one, there's no single cause of postpartum depression. Two, there's a combination of physical, hormonal, social, uh, psychological, and emotional factors that all play a part in triggering postpartum depression. Right now, going through COVID and feeling like you have to isolate yourself and you don't normally get that rush of support, that physical support from your friends and neighbors and family, or going out and getting some fresh air or trying to do a quick grocery shopping trip might be really stressful for a new mom when normally you wouldn't think twice of it. We are currently living in times that do add a lot of additional stress to moms. And so there's lots of factors that play into triggering postpartum depression. There are three main things that predispose someone to postpartum depression that puts them at higher risk for getting it. One is if that mother herself has a personal history of depression. Two is a, that mom has a history of depression from a previous pregnancy. So previous instance of postpartum depression. And then the third one is a family history of depression. I think that there's a few different things to keep in mind as you become pregnant and just knowing where your risks fall. The second thing that complicates all of these things is, and it doesn't predispose you, but with social media and things like that, often we post positive, lovely pictures of our babies and how beautiful the nursery is and those kind of sweet moments with your baby. And you don't see pictures of like being sprayed with poo and, you know, being soaked in leaky milk and, you know, and all of the things that the dirty parts or the, you know, the not so beautiful parts of being a new mom. And so it sometimes gives you this impression that motherhood is supposed to be this really sweet, you know, beautiful connection with your baby. And it's just going to be I don't know, flowers and rainbows. And it's not that it's all beautiful in its own way, but it's not that way. And it's not supposed to be that way all the time. And so I think sometimes new moms go into motherhood, having a certain expectation of how things are going to go. And then that can also predispose you to postpartum depression, because then you feel like it's a big letdown and you're doing something wrong because your story is not matching up with 
the versions of stories that you're seeing posted on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere like that. And I think that can be really hard. And so you want to definitely set up specific types of support as you go into motherhood. And we can talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I think I've thought so much about the negative role that social media plays in our lives um, in a lot of different ways. I have not, I've of course thought about it in terms of like, you know, teenagers, right? Like they're looking at their friends and all their lives are perfect and it doesn't match theirs. I had not really made the association to new moms in early motherhood. You see, it's just so glamorized and romanticized. And then you get home and it's not that. That's not what it looks like every day. I mean, there are some wonderful moments, right? Some like very sweet times, but that's not what you see. And it's really important to see what is real because that is, that's, that is what you internalize as the like broader societal culture, right? What you see is what you think occurs, especially not having had the experience before. So you have an experience that doesn't meet these expectations that you had and that gap right there can facilitate a lot of sadness and sounds like could facilitate some postpartum depression. You bring up a really good point and we see that with lots of things, right? Um, We see that with buying a new house and you see pictures of people posting their new house purchases and you feel like what are we doing living in the same house that we have for 12 years or 15 years and and it's like well you don't you miss all the other things the painstaking things that went through them being able to purchase it or maybe they're renovating it themselves while living through it and it's a mess and you know you just always see the positive sides of everything on social media and it can it can play a really big role in our moms especially the ones who are becoming moms right now because this is a social media heavy generation and time in our lives. And it wasn't something that moms, you know, a generation ago had to really worry about. And it is an additional pressure that we put on ourselves. So I know that um, during this discussion alone, I've learned a few things. Uh, So I I didn't know that you could experience uh, postpartum depression after a miscarriage. I know this is like, probably this is basic, but I, I just didn't put it together. Um, I also didn't realize you could experience it even in adoption. So this is definitely something that I've, I'm learning from. And then even this last thing with the connection, like Katie mentioned, just being a new mom in social media. I don't even have that much time to be on social media as a mom, period. But it is at times my escape. So I can imagine that like if I'm going through it and everything looks so wonderful and then my kids are like, my baby is crying in the next room after I've tried 50 million times to put him to sleep. I mean, yeah, I, that could make me have a pretty low moment. So I love this, this entire conversation. I've learned so much. But what I did want to know, Dr. Acta, was just, you know, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners, maybe resources or just other main takeaways that or just highlights things that you really want people to keep in mind after listening to this? Yes, absolutely. So I think the biggest thing is going to be to find your support system as a mother. And this is something that we can do as having been through this ourselves, we can provide this to new moms um, or moms who are having yet, you know, another baby, even if they're not new at it and how every person is going to want something different. And it's up to us to support that mom in the way she needs support and not to get offended by it just because they need support in a very specific way. So some moms want visitors after a birth. They find enjoyment in showing off their baby and they love company and they get a lot of um, 
energy and lots of pleasure in, you know, in talking to people and sharing and all of that. And some moms find it really overwhelming and they would rather not have visitors for the first few weeks and just take some time to adjust themselves. So different people are going to want really different things. If you have a mom or mother-in-law that can come help and support you, or you have a partner that can take time off work to help with the baby as everyone is adjusting to this new life, that be really helpful, at least for the first two weeks. The first two weeks are often the hardest. And I had my own mom stay with me for a month each time I had my kids, and it was really helpful. If you don't have any family that can come help, then you lean on your friends. And often you have mom friends that are in a lot of ways your family, that they've been through this before, and they're not going to get offended when you say, look, I need this one really weird thing in one very specific way that I need you to support me. Things that can really help is I loved friends that would come over to my house and help do stuff without any expectation that I host them. So I would love it if I had a girlfriend come over and do four loads of laundry and then just fold them and then leave and don't talk to me, please, please, like, don't bother me. I don't want to host you, but I would love it if there was a magic fairy that just came and like washed all the burp cloths and washed, you know, all the things. And like, I would just love you forever. And I will give you a key to my house and you can just come and do that and just leave. Other things, you know, texting somebody and saying, look, if I, can you be the person that I text and can I text you a grocery list as I realize that things are not there in my house suddenly? And can you make sure that you get it to me the same day? And it could be like toothpaste and shampoo and, you know, M&Ms or milk. And like, can it just text you random things? And can you just get it to me that day? And it would be great to have someone who lives nearby who can just do that and just sit down to the road and get the like random things that you feel really awkward asking people you don't know very well to do. And those are like, those are mom friends and they're going to totally understand exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. I think I had an experience like that when my baby was a newborn, a friend of mine who lived just a couple of blocks away came over and held my baby for just like an hour or two, just so I could sleep a little bit. So no hosting, no anything like that. And she came over, she also happened to be a pediatrician and, um, and, she, and so she, she held my baby and made sure that she was okay. I couldn't think of anyone better to like be the first babysitter for my daughters. So thank you, Dr. Beck. Yeah, I was going to say I had some, some similar stories, Katie. And I like Dr. Echo, you talked about just mom's understanding. Moms just know, like the, the moms that helped me when I was having my babies, like I didn't even have to tell them some stuff. They're like, I'm coming over. I'm folding your laundry. Don't say a word to me. I don't want to hear it. I'm doing it. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> like, thank you. Cause you know, some moms are like, no, don't, don't worry about that. Don't, you don't need to do that for me. They're like, no, I'm helping you. And like, it's just something about, you know, that mother tribe that you can build around you. Yeah. I think that's always going to be great. You know, there's uh, meal trains are pretty popular now and there's lots of online programs to help with that. Those are, those are really great too. So you have friends or families or neighbors that sign up for, you know, bringing over a meal a day or something like that so that you don't have to cook for the first few weeks after having a baby. It's just, it's just such a, you know, huge weight off your shoulders to not have to worry about what you're going to eat and all of those things. 
you know, having a friend that will come do the dishes and come play with your dog that's getting ignored because you just had a baby and, you know, taking them for a walk or something. Yeah, I think that stuff is great and priceless. And if you have friends who are not moms and they don't feel comfortable doing some of the stuff, that stuff is great. You know, can you please come over and take my dog for a walk? And can you go play with him for a little bit? All of those little things will help take some of the stress off of your mind because you have a laundry list of things in your head that you are ignoring because you have a new baby and if people can help tick those things off then it definitely helps your sense of accomplishment and you know just your sense of self and I think the biggest thing is you want to figure out who those friends are or those family are and you want to ask them for specific things because everyone will say, look, if you need something, just let me know. But then you're waiting for them to reach out and they're waiting for you to request something of them. And it just gets awkward and then nobody does anything. So ask them specifically, like, look, I need you to come twice a week, whatever two days you want. I need you to come and do my laundry and fold it and then leave. Can you, you know, you, can you be my person that I text random things to? Can you get them from the grocery store and make sure they're at my house by the end of the day? Be very specific. And you know who those people are in your life that you can have really awkward and weird conversations with and just ask for really bizarre specific things. And they're gonna be like, yep, I got it. You know, and I'll, I'll be that person. So you, you know, find those people when you're pregnant, figure out who those people are so that you can lean on them. Okay. Well, we've gotten some really great information today from Dr. Ekta Escobar. We're going to link several different websites in the show notes today so that anyone who's listening can have access to some of the different references that she's given. This is such a nice compliment rather to our first postpartum depression episode, because it's filled with information that only someone with expertise could have provided. And it's, there's so many things that are actionable in here. So many different pieces of advice that are small, but meaningful. And we just really appreciate your time tonight, Dr. Ekta all the way from New Zealand. We are so glad to have you and thank you so much. Thank you. It was such a genuine pleasure to be here with you ladies and just really enjoy our podcast. Can't wait to hear more. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us today. Please be sure to write a review and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Fem Collective Podcast, and we can continue the discussion by joining our Fem Collective Facebook group. Until next time.